Hello, welcome to Central Valley Physicians Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler with Fresno Madeira Medical Society, and today we are here with Julia Lee, and she is an orthopedic surgeon from Sierra Pacific um, here in town, also known as Spock, which I think everybody knows. Um, and we're going to talk about shoulder replacement. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. So I, we were talking about this before the podcast, but shoulder replacement is actually crazy to say. I don't think I've ever heard about shoulder replacements. I've heard about shoulder surgeries, and I've heard knee replacements and, and hip replacements. So this is something um, fairly new. So can you just kind of start off in the beginning and just tell me what that, what type of surgery and what does that entail? Um, so really good question. And a lot of, I, there are some patients that come and see me that I got, you can replace the shoulder. And so that's definitely something not as common. Um, certainly not as common as a hip and a knee, but it's very much like a hip and knee replace, hip knee replacement or a knee replacement. Um, we, we take out all the arthritis that's in your shoulder. We replace everything with metal and plastic, much like a hip replacement or a knee replacement so that, um, you get rid of the arthritis and have a better quality of life. Uh, very much the same thing. We actually borrowed, when we first started shoulder replacements, um, we borrowed the technology from the hip. So a lot of the same uh, style of implants and uh, you know those that has evolved and that has improved to be uh, more specific towards the shoulder, but it kind of evolved off of the hip and the knee as well. Interesting. So you, you mentioned arthritis. So is that the only reason why you would somebody would need a replacement? Um, so th- there's Two different types of replacements. You can have, if you have arthritis, that's a that's one of the main reasons to have a shoulder replacement. Also, some people who have a really big rotator cuff tear that's not replaced, that's not repairable. Um, when you have that, a shoulder replacement can also work as well. So the two different reasons to have it. Um, and, and both of those different types of replacement, but both of those work very well. Okay, I don't want to I don't want to go down the the arthritis. Um, talk too much, but mm-hmm. this is not something that somebody's feeling pain. They've been diagnosed with arthritis, and then the next thing, surgery. It's not like no, that, right? There's a lot not. of steps in between. There's a lot of steps in between. There's a lot of things that we can do to see if we can get you back to where you want to be, um, doing the things that you want to do before replacing your shoulder. So very much um, a lot of conservative steps that we can take beforehand. But ultimately, there is an option for you if your arthritis or your rotator cuff is bad enough, and you can't, um, you're not progressing the way you want to with conservative treatment. Okay, so so let's talk now. Are there different types of shoulder replacements? Uh, there are, there are. So there's two different types of shoulder replacements. They kind of g- come in a broad ca- category. One is called an anatomic replacement. So that means replacing your anatomy with anatomy. So you think of joints. You think of ball and sockets. So that is when your ball it gets replaced with a metal ball, and your socket gets replaced with a plastic socket. Um, there's a second type of shoulder replacement, and that's called the reverse replacement. And then really, truly, that is just they reverse the components. So your socket now becomes a ball and the ball becomes a socket and the reason to do that it changes the mechanics of your shoulder and that makes it so you no longer depend on the rotator cuff so those are for patients who have a really big rotator cuff tear can't have their shoulder um can't have the shoulder function the way they want to and their rotator cuff is not repairable the reverse replacement is a good option for them for good pain relief and sometimes even improved function okay so um when is it just so, you know, like I was talking earlier, with a hip joint, you have the, the ball and the, the, the metal 
piece that goes into the bone. Are there additional pieces in a sh- uh, shoulder replacement? No, it's about Pretty the same, same thing. thing. Pretty much the same thing. And so, um, like I said, when we first, not I guess you can't say we, when the shoulder replacement was first started, uh, we bought a lot of technology from the hip. So it initially was the same size stem. So we call that a stem when that, that, that metal piece goes into the bone. Um, it used to be the same size stem as a hip replacement. But oh, as wow. we've learned that we don't need that much for the arm. <laughs> So they've gotten shorter and shorter in terms of how much stem they need. And they even have ones now that are stem less. So you don't have to have that whole stem going down your arm. So that's more of a minimally invasive or a bone sparing approach, they call it. So uh, we've evolved our technology as we better understand what the shoulder needs compared to what the hip needs. Okay. Um, and we're joking when I start laughing because the stem for a hip surgery is about six inches long, oh, yeah. right? And yeah. then so for shoulder would be significantly less. Yes, it is. Okay. And so much shorter now. And also, like, like I said, some of them are stem less. So we've learned that we don't need that same heavy metal, heavy duty metal as we do with the, with the hip. And are you determining what type of prosthetic just based on the individual's um, activity level, what they were doing prior to surgery? How is that related or how big the tear is or, you yeah. know, rotator all uh, all very good questions um a little bit on the patient so generally it, it is if they have an intact if it's just arthritis if you have just shoulder arthritis usually a anatomic or regular replacement works very very well um those are usually patients with uh with a rotator cuff tear with, sorry with a rotator cuff that is intact um so those patients get usually a anatomic replacement some patients that may be a little bit older some patients that don't have a rotator cuff um or some patients that have their arthritis is bad enough, their bones are just, they've worn away so much of their bone. Those patients um, are eligible more for a reverse replacement. Okay. And so there is a little bit of a difference in terms of their outcomes. So shoulder replacements, the anatomic ones, you can expect nearly full range of motion because you're replacing your anatomy with anatomy. And now Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you don't have pain. So you should be able to gain full range of motion versus uh, versus a reverse. So it's different anatomy. So you're going to have slightly different uh, range of motion. You won't have the same range of motion as you did before, you know, when you were 16, but it's still usually improved, at least pain-free range of motion. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different, uh, but different reasons for them. And it, it... there's talking to the patient, there is the patient's diagnosis, um, and sometimes it comes down to being in the operating room and looking as, ooh, that rotator cuff does not look good, and in which case you change your plan at that point in time, and um, and you convert from an anatomic to reverse, or, or vice versa. You say, oh, that, that rotator cuff looks really good. I think we'll be fine with, you know, saving that. Okay. So we can do that. Uh, some of it's patient-dependent, some of it's pathology-dependent. And sometimes just in the OR, what you see. Okay, so so I'm guessing you're doing more anatomic. It just depends. Okay. It, yeah. I would, okay. I would say about 50-50, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it just really depends. On the patient. Okay. It depends on the patient, yeah. So what? Um, so a little bit more about the surgery. What are some of the, the risks? Um, anytime you undergo anesthesia, there's a risk of anesthesia, and a lot of it is the same, similar risks to uh, surgery itself. We actually do, um, this does require an inpatient stay usually, uh, usually patients stay in, in the hospital for one night, um, usually the same anesthesia as they do for a rotator cuff repair or labral repair or any other shoulder surgery, usually the same, uh, same anesthesia, same positioning for surgery, um, 
it's a little bit more invasive because you do have to make a bigger incision for this. You have to get the arthritis out and the metal components in. So it is a little bit bigger uh, incision, but overall same risks as any other shoulder surgery. That was going to be my next question is what does the incision look like? Because there, you know, people talk a lot about, about, um, you know, when you're not having to go in and replace something that is, a lot of it can be do, done orthoscopically, but mm-hmm. is there, when you do an incision, is it, is it fairly large? I mean, you, you know, so it's about four six, inches, four to six inches, four to six inches on the front of your shoulder. Okay. Yeah. And then that you mentioned a day in the hospital and then I'm guessing, you know, post-surgery or having therapy 12 hours later or something like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> What does that look yeah. like? So usually patients, they're, they're in a sling, at least, um, at least for me, they're in a sling for about four to six weeks, and then they usually start therapy afterwards. Oh. Um, and most of it, it, it will depend on the patient a little bit, but it is um, same protocol almost as a shoulder as a rotator cuff tear protocol. Okay. Um, so there is physical therapy afterwards. There, you do have to wear a sling afterwards, um, and you know it does take some time to recover because if you think about it, um, for us to get down to your shoulder joint we end up having to go through the rotator cuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily the replacement that I'm worried about. It's your rotator cuff I'm worried about. So I have to repair that rotator cuff on my way out. And when I do that, I want you to recover like a rotator cuff tear. So that's what really kind of holds you back a little bit with the with the surgery afterwards. Typical, like then with like a knee or a hip. Hip surgery, they yeah. want you walking that afternoon they do. in some cases. Yes. And so I do want my patients, they, they work on some range of motion exercises at home. It, you know, by no means are they throwing fastballs, but you know mm-hmm. they're working on some stuff, gentle range of motion exercises at home. Um, and even with physical therapy the day after surgery, they're learning how to get their sling on and off. Um, so simple things like that. But they do start doing some range of motion stuff. They don't really start strengthening like with weight and everything for a couple of months after surgery. Okay. So it's not an easy fix. Not right an away. easy fix. No. Um, which probably brings me a question we should have asked at the beginning <laughs> is, is at what point does someone uh, start to come to see you? I mean, yeah. they're, you know, they may, may or may not have been diagnosed with, with arthritis or they may have had an old uh, rotator cuff tear that they, you know, haven't really done anything mm-hmm. about At what point should someone consider um, looking at surgical options? Um, it, pain should be their guide and it is always you know if you have a if you have a horrible looking x-ray because your arthritis is really bad but you don't have pain you don't need surgery for that Mm -hmm. versus if somebody who you know now they can't sleep at night because their shoulder hurts a lot or they can't they can't hold their grandbabies because their shoulder hurts like that's when you start thinking about okay do I need to do something about this can should I do I need to replace my shoulder it's really when um when it starts affecting their lifestyle when the pain gets to the point where it's affecting them and they want some options so it's usually that point and like as like we talked about earlier there's a lot of conservative measures that we can do first see if there's physical therapy or injections or something less invasive that we can do first that we can get them to where they want to be but ultimately if the pain is too much if their range of motion is too limited um, sometimes a replacement is the right option okay so I'm guessing you know going back to jumping around here going back to (laughs) post-surgery when I've heard too when you have a knee or hip replacement and they're getting rid of that arthritis, you wake up, you shouldn't have any pain when you wake up. Mm -hmm. With the shoulder surgery, having to go through that rotator cuff, are you having pain? It's a different different type of of pain. pain. That's what I figured. Similar to a hip or knee. All of a sudden that arthritis pain that you had for a long time is no longer there. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's you're still sore um, but it's a different type of pain mm-hmm. and a lot of that a lot of patients if you think about it and when they 
have a lot of arthritis, they have, you know, it's bone on bone or their bone spurs. And then, so their, their joint is almost like a square peg in a round hole. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a lot of catching and locking, a lot of crunching in their shoulder. And after the replacement, all that is gone. So it is, it's just, it feels different, still sore from surgery, no doubt about that, but it feels very, very different. Interesting. That's fascinating. I'm still fascinated that we even do this type of replacement. How many, how many surgeries do you do a year? Um, usually a couple of hundred. So about oh three, goodness. 400 surgeries a year yeah. about that. They're not all shoulder replacements, but they're about three, 400 surgeries a year. And, um, with the the rotator cuff piece of it, the same type of outcome because mm-hmm. are they are you actually when you do the shoulder replacement, how are you fixing the rotator cuff by that, or is there no longer a rotator cuff because you've reversed it? You're exactly right. So because they've reversed it, or because the component is reversed, the mechanics of your shoulder have changed, so you no longer depend on the rotator cuff, and you actually use the deltoid muscle. So I call those the beach muscles. Those are the muscles you see on the outside. So um, you depend on that muscle instead of your rotator cuff. So, and, and, you know, you think about outcomes, you're like, you're changing all this stuff, you know, can people get back to sports? Can people get back to, you know, playing golf, playing tennis? Uh, and patients usually can, mm-hmm. um, you know, it may not be the same level, but patients are able to return to golf. That's okay to do. It's okay to return to tennis. They've done studies in literature saying that patients are able to return to those sports, maybe not to the same intensity, but they're able to do so after shoulder replacement. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's good to know. You may not be a, um, Olympic weightlifter anymore, um, just because you probably shouldn't be doing that on the metal and plastic. But overall, you're able to return to a lot of, um, you know, activities that can that patients enjoy. Right. And I and I've also been told that if you're at a certain level, like so if at least I've heard this from other doctors, that if you're not a runner after your knee replacement, don't go become a runner. (laughs) You know, if you've done it before, then it's okay to return to it. But you know, if you're if it's something that you haven't been able to do for many years mm-hmm. and maybe ease yourself back into it yeah. yeah and then there's activity modification so maybe instead of running you pick up biking yeah. you know something like that's a little bit less in- impacting um so similar similar thing yes okay yeah is there anything else that i mean fascinating surgery it sounds like and i must have been living under a rock because i never even knew that <laughs> that shoulder um replacement was out there so yeah. technology's you know just as as far along as the hip and knees, I mean, as far mm-hmm. as the shoulder goes? Um, you know, it's a little bit, it's less common than the hip or knee, but, right. you know, the number of those are also going up just as we learn, we have more of the technology as uh, the patient population gets a little bit older and they're more active um, into, uh, you know, into their older age. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're more active as they age, things along those lines, patients are recognizing the fact that their shoulders are bothering them. So the number of shoulder replacements are going up. Um, and as we learn more about them, you know, the, the survival rate, the outcomes of these surgeries are doing a lot better as well. And, and so you bring, bring up a good question um, for me is can a shoulder have a, a revision on it? Um, shoulders can, um, they can have a revision on them. Um, and you know, similar to hips and knees, usually with revision surgery, it's not quite the same as the primary surgery. Um, but yes, absolutely. They can. And Mm -hmm. do these, um, ball and socket wear out (laughs) ever, you know, cause I I remember talking, um, to a hip replacement and some Mm -hmm. of them are ceramics with Mm -hmm. the plastic with metal, you know, I'm sure that's the same, but do, do you find that there's, um, 
research out there to say that, you know, these are going to last 30, mm-hmm. 40 years? Um, and that's a really good question. So the uh, same thing as before, we bought a lot of our technology. We were understanding the mechanics of the shoulder is very different than that of the knee or the hip. So we're changing a little bit um, the materials that we're using um, to better accommodate the the stresses that the shoulder sees relative to um, relative to the hip or the knee because there's a lot more shear force. There's a lot more. Think about the range of motion that your shoulder has compared to your knee and to your hip as well. So what the um, what the implant for the shoulder needs is very different than what the implant for the hip needs. Um, so we're understanding that a little bit more, uh, understanding what materials we need we need to use, what we can use, um, and learning that as we go. So I, I usually tell my patients that for survival for a shoulder replacement, it's about 10 to 15 years. Uh, I'm sure those are, those are from the implants that were done 10 to 15 years ago, so I'm sure the stuff that we're doing now um, is, is longer lasting. Um, but we, we just can't say for sure. We don't have the data out there. Right. Hips and knees, you know, those, those last 20, 30 years because they have that data from 20, 30 years ago. I'm sure mm-hmm. that the stuff, the technology now for hip and knee replacements also will last even longer than that. So that's usually what I tell my patients about 10, 15 years. And do they come back in for another surgery or do um, you just hold out for surgery no, as long as possible? Uh, hold out as, as long as they're doing okay. There's no need to go back in there and, and change parts or pieces as, nothing, um, as long as they're doing okay. okay. Um, and it's just a follow-up. You know, usually, um, and I, I usually tell my patients as well, a lot of literature and a lot of research has shown that uh, patients will improve their shoulder function uh, for over the course of a year. So if you have your replacement in January, you will improve that entire year. And usually what you have the next January is what you're going to have. So, you know, it, it's a long recovery. Um, but just knowing that it is that patients do well with them and um, hopefully with the technology we have nowadays the uh, longevity of it will also improve interesting great well it's great to um to talk to you about this if somebody wanted to um come see you what's the what's the best way i know you're at spock you're you're at the original spock building we are at the original spock building uh so i'm up on the third floor now if they want to give the office a call i'm happy to see them and have a conversation with them and we can take a look at the shoulder and we can go from there and what's what's the best number for them to reach you uh it's 559-290-7052 perfect well thank you dr lee it was great having you and hopefully you'll come back again i'm sure you've got some other stuff to talk about too (laughs) sounds good thank you very much for having me 